This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. God bless you. You may be seated. Welcome to Relevant Life Church. How are we today? Do you love Jesus? Come on, let's give him a round of applause. Yeah. Good stuff. I just want to do some real quick business this morning. Young adults, is this Wednesday? You don't want to. You don't want to miss it. Uh, you're going. Well, I'm not a young adult with uh, with a child. That's fine. You don't have to come with a child. You can come as a single individual if you want to. Uh, we're we're excited. We're going to have food. We're going to have some good time together. We're going to laugh. Uh, we got some activities that are going to take place, and we're excited to have you. Trunk or treat. Everyone say trunk or treat. Uh, this is our first time that we have launched out in this avenue, and we are excited. Superhero theme, and we're going to step into that process. And uh, if Allie asks you for help, please volunteer. Please step into it. If she doesn't ask you and you want to sign up, just see her and say, hey, I want to help. Say, I w- everyone say, I want to help. Everyone say this word, I want to serve. Oh, come on, say it with lo- gusto. Say, I want to serve. Online, type in, I want to serve. I'm going to hold you to it. Why? Because Jesus holds us to it, Right? Whether it's that trunk or treat or not, we need to serve. We need to love Jesus. Uh, lastly, we've had a lot of questions, Ron and I, as we've stepped back in. And uh, just want to give you a brief update about my wife. Uh, the picture Pastor Appreciation Day, I leaned over to her and said, Honey, you have hair. And uh, it's one of those longings that we're waiting for again. She's beautiful inside and out anyway. I, 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 I like it regardless of. But just some updates. Rhonda, it, Friday, f- five weeks past her last chemo session, Rhonda, has had some ups and downs. Uh, she had her poured out on Monday, and uh, that kind of set her back a little bit. And so I say all that not for excuse, not for pity, but for understanding. Uh, you heard her step up here and pray on, Sunday, on Wednesday night with gusto and with power. Amen. That's the Spirit of God that's flowing in her life. But how many know that sometimes the Spirit of God can be flowing and physically you can be weak? And so that's kind of where we're at. We continue to covet your prayers. We're excited about that, of what God is doing. And uh, we're marching forward. And we, at this point, the doc- oncologist has declared her in remission. So can we give God praise? We both say we don't want to do this journey again. We're thankful for God's presence. We're thankful for your support. We're thankful for your love. But yeah, uh, if you've, if you've walked, walked the journey of cancer in any way, shape, or form, you can all declare amen that it's not a fun journey to walk. But we couldn't have done it without you, and we most definitely could not have done it without the presence of Jesus Christ. We've had an amazing team and, so, and an amazing board that gave me permission to kind of step back in a little bit of my responsibilities. And so I'm stepping back in the fall, trying to step back into responsibilities. And can I tell you, it's the juggle thing. So be patient with me as we do so. I get to preach again, and I love that, and I'm excited about that today. Starting a brand new series called Rhythm. Everyone say Rhythm. Uh, we, we're gonna, the band is up here, and so we're going dis- to display this today, hopefully in a humorous way and in a serious way. But, you know, in the last 19 to 20 months of our lives, uh, no one has been exempt from this. Everyone across the planet Planet Earth has been impacted by this thing called a pandemic that has disrupted our lives. Anybody can, can you, how, how many can raise your hand and say, my life has been disrupted? I will say this, it's probably disrupted some of the rhythms in your life, some of the patterns and the pace in which you know is healthy to live, but it's gotten you off. 
in how you're, how you're walking through life. And so today we want to step into this. And you know, the thing that's so funny is that we planned on teaching this series back in, in the spring and God decided to come up and go, no, we're going to bring an interruption and you're going to walk a journey of cancer and we're going to show God's glory through this cancer. And so we've stepped into the fall and this is where it's at. And I honestly say this is a perfect time for this to happen. Why? Because I would have probably come early on with a stronger, uh, adamant sense. And today I'm coming going, I'm a failure and I need, and I'm weak and I need rhythms in my life. Not saying I've mastered any of this. So how many can come, how many are willing to raise your hand in transparency like me to say, I need rhythms in my life. I've not mastered it. And so I really trust, I pray, I believe that the Holy Spirit's going to work in our life. And more than just a series, I truly believe that this is a series on spiritual formation. Everyone say spiritual formation. Spiritual formation is process and practice of how we walk out our lives. So our next seven weeks on this series is going to give us some repetition, is going to give us some ideas of what that looks like, but it's about the process of how our spiritual spirituality is formed and the practice of how our spirituality is formed. It's not just going to be something that is there, it's that this automatically comes is something that we're going to have to walk out and have to live out. So anyway, today as we step into this idea of rhythms, would you turn to your neighbor and say, get some rhythm? Oh, come on. Yeah. The screen behind you say, get some rhythm. Get some rhythm. You're going to want to tell the band to get some rhythm. Let's go ahead. You called my Give them a round of applause. How many would like them to go on with this sound that we've just heard? You know, you know everyone's going to kind of go, no. So would you actually play it like we know that you can play it? You call my name. thankful for rhythm? How many are thankful that we have a band that can play rhythm? You know, we searched all throughout YouTube this week, and let me tell you, if you want to hear some really funny stuff that's painful, uh, we we didn't want to destroy Adam's favorite song, otherwise we would have played his favorite song out of rhythm and out of tune and all sorts of stuff. But let me tell you, uh, there's some stuff out there that's on YouTube that Just saying, yeah. I'm thankful that God has blessed us with a team that can bring rhythm. This idea of rhythm is a strong and a regular repeated pattern, a pulse. Everyone say strong and repeated pattern. So when we think about this idea of music, we can hear we're thankful for a Naomi, right? Can you give her a round of applause? We're thankful for a Mike Mike Raff who, who keeps us on this side over here, a rhythm, a solidness of what's there. But a strong and a regular repeated pattern, a pulse of movement of sound, a movement with uniform or patterned recurrence of a beat. Rhythm is essential in all of music. 
Rhythm is essential. We heard the very first song that was painful, how they walked it through, but you can mix together any sounds you want, but if there's no underlying rhythm to the sounds, there is no music. It becomes a noise. With rhythm, suddenly sounds and that never sounded like music before sounded like music. Rhythm is the key element of music. One music theorist says this, rhythm is the beat you build everything else around. If you don't have rhythm, you can't have melody. If you don't have rhythm, you can't have melody. Now, I'm not a music theorist. Uh, I did take music theory back in the day, and I loved the concept and loved the idea. That's when I was trying to step in and be a musician, and I got to the place of realizing that my music theory and my musicality is Back in the day, early day, was like LP, vinyls. Anybody know what those are? Uh, Which moved to cassette tapes, God forbid. Which moved to CDs, and now, thank you, Jesus, for iTunes. Or or Apple, whatever other kind of music form that's out there today. So I can be a music theorist based on what I understand and the music I listen to. Anybody else out there? So I'm going to explain it with someone else that's smarter than me. Britannica Encyclopedia Britannica says this, rhythm can exist without melody, as in the drum beats of the so-called primitive music, but melody cannot exist without rhythm. In music that has both harmony and melody, the rhythmic structure cannot be separated from them. And you step back and go, well, is that true? Well, let me give you the definition of melody so we understand. A musical sounds in agreeable succession. Everyone say agreeable. agreeable. When we heard the very first part of this band, they were not in agreement. You know, what I've realized as I began to prepare for this series is the Holy Spirit just began to speak a word into my spirit called dissonance. Everyone say dissonance. Maybe new to some of you, but probably not new to everyone. But I want to give you the definition of dissonance. Discord, harshness, tension, Clash resulting from the combination of two disharmonious or unsuitable elements. I want to pull some words out of this and I want you to understand them. I want you to try to grasp them today. When I talk about harshness, when I talk about a tension, when we heard that the very first part of this and the band is playing, I don't know about you, but inside I'm like going, ugh. Those of you that are really gifted in music, you're like going, oh dear Jesus, they're off. A clash resulting from the combination of two things that are not in harmony, two elements that are combating one another. I will say this today and result of this idea of rhythm. Our culture is in the midst of dissonance. There's a lot of things that are taking place and those, that dissonance is impacting our life, that dissonance in our lives, spiritually, relationally, whatever it might be. Dissonance, simply put, is a noise or a distraction. How many would say over the last 19 months, there's been a hum of noise? Maybe not just a hum, but a roar of noise. How many can be honest enough to even say, Pastor Kevin, it's been hard sometimes to calm my spirit, to quiet my spirit, to hear the voice of Jesus? Can you hear anybody? Am I preaching to the right people today? There's a place in our lives where this dissonance, this tension arises. The thing that's so important for us to realize is this is not a tension that we can eliminate. Why? Because Jesus is in heaven and we are on earth. Because we live in an earth that's corrupted and broken, 
an earth that is in tension with God's spirit. So as we sit here today, there's something, there's a point that we're going to get to that's, I will relieve this here in just a second, but we can't eliminate this tension. We have to learn how do we manage this tension in our lives? How do we walk in accordance with God's spirit, but yet dwell in a planet that has dissonance all around us? How do we walk with Christ Jesus in the peace that he promises us, but yet live and walk in a culture where there's constant noise and tension? I will say this, in all of my life, and I'm pretty old, I have never seen such dissonance. I have never encountered such noise and tension. So today, I'm coming and saying, Jesus, I feel this tension. Help me manage this tension. How many would say, God, help me manage this tension? Lance Witt says this, I hate this word balance, but I love the word rhythm. Balance is an elusive dream. Rhythm is the beautiful dance. Rhythm is a beautiful dance. Rhythm is a choice that I make. Everyone say a choice that I make. Can I tell you that there are two beats that are taking place on this planet at this moment? There's the beat of the spirit and there's the beat of the flesh. There's the beat of our world and there's the beat of God. And we have to go, who is, which beat are we walking to? Which rhythm are we living our life according to? Rhythm is the space between the notes that make up all the music. We must have space, this rhythm between the notes of busyness and ministry to make life work as God designed it. Rhythms are important when it comes to a heartbeat, a car engine, life, creation. I could go through all of these items, but let's just really look, quickly look at it. A heartbeat that is out of rhythm is called arrhythmia. Arrhythmia is a problem with the rate of heart where it's either too fast or too slow. As a result of this pattern in our lives, it causes fatigue. It can cause blood clots. It can cause heart disease. Ultimately, a heart attack. Did you realize that arrhythmia could eventually kill you if you don't take care of it? A car engine out of timing will knock. Improper starting, poor performance, overheating eventually could lead to the destruction of your engine. A life that is out of timing is described as anxious, weary, burned out, always in a hurry, leads to breakdown, heart problems, lack of enjoyment of life, lack of enjoyment of relationship, lack of enjoyment of God. Can I tell you this? I hear people talk today as a result of the 1920 months. I hear this lack of value and appreciation for this God that we serve, this lack and value of of, of relationship. I see a, 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 this, this dissonance that we've allowed to settle over our lives rather than allowing God to do something in us. Everything in all creation function, functions at a rhythm, at a pace. Natural rhythms guide all that we do. Our very existence, our breath, our heartbeat are constant reminders of the life's pulsing rhythm that moves within and around us. Our lives are orchestrated, guided by the rising and the setting of the sun. The moon, they trigger the basic biological changes in the waking human body. As the sun rises, so does the heart rate, blood pressure, and body temperature, the liver, the kidneys, and the many natural processes all begin shifting from idle into gear. Then as daylight wanes and darkness descends, these processes likewise begin to subside. When our rhythms are out of sync, or what, excuse me, when our rhythms are in sync, life flows easily. 
How many have discovered that? When your rhythms are more in sync, your life seems easier. There's more enjoyment in it. We have more energy. We tend to view things more positively, and we are more socially connected, and life is much more satisfying. The body rhythms are called circadian rhythms. Circadian rhythms comes from a Latin phrase meaning circa diem. Everyone say it, circa diem. Meaning approximately a day. You know, we, can I tell you that God is in the middle of this process of rhythm? Approximately a day. That idea of a day is approximately 24 hours. The earth rotates in entirety within a 24-hour period. It's this rhythm that God has set upon all of creation. This is the most significant of all biorhythms. For all organic life forms, it sets the pace for biological processes. Circadian rhythms influence all living organisms, from bacteria to algae to insects to birds. And what we're most concerned about is what? Humans. Can I tell you that there is an order in the process? And you're saying, well, Pastor Kevin, where are you going? I'm wanting us to understand the foundation with all this advancement of technology that we experience today, and how many are thankful for technology? Are you thankful for electricity? Have you been to a foreign country without electricity? Let me tell you, you're thankful for electricity. Are you thankful for running water? Are you thankful for the advancements of the digital age? How many are thankful for this aspect that you can go on anywhere with this thing called internet and you can be blessed by what it can provide? But can I tell you, in the midst of all of this, there are also things that are not positive that have taken place as a result of our advancement in technology. Our lives have become subject to this technology that was once a blessing, which now in some ways has become a curse in our lives. I know I might be stepping on a few toes this morning, but if you could, I prayed, God, help us to step back objectively to see where there's blessing and where there's curse. Many people live their lives cut off from the natural rhythms and cycles of nature. This plays havoc with their body clocks. Their erratic, stressful lives are in the state of of arrhythmia. When I talk about arrhythmia of life, I'm talking about a pace that is not sustainable or a pace that is going too fast or a pace that is going too slow. A pace that's going too fast is one that wants to keep up with everybody and take everything in. Anybody ever guilty of wanting to do everything And then there's too slow over on this side. And this too slow on this side is one that wanted to just pull out of life all entirely and just live self-absorbed. Can I tell you, you may know someone that's just like that. You may have been there. I can tell you there's been a lot of people in the midst of the pandemic that goes, I just want to isolate. This is not healthy. And this is not healthy. The Holy Spirit wants to bring us back to a form of health. Rhythms are not just practical, but they're highly spiritual. I want to ask you today, how do we get into rhythm? How do we get into rhythm? Pastor Kevin, you're telling us and you're creating this obvious tension that is here, but how do we get into this rhythm? What part is mine? What do I have to do? And, you know, I think that's a question that all of us as humans step back and ask, isn't it? What do I have to do? And so we take a self-help chorus and we try to go, okay, so this is the 25 things that I have to do every single morning within the next 15, the first 15 minutes that I get out of bed. And we get anxious over the first of those 25 things. Do we not? 
Again, I want to remind you that these are practices. These are spiritual formation issues. I can tell you that within the last 19 months, probably the biggest thing that I've noticed in the Church of Jesus Christ around the world, around our state, as well as Relevant Life Church, is the pandemic has revealed to us a failure in spiritual formation. Spiritual formation brings maturity. Spiritual spiritual formation brings growth. Spiritual formation brings fruit in our lives. When I look out at our congregation, not knowing exactly how many are online and how many are not, but I look at our regular attendance week after week after week in a church that once was running 600, that we could see a physical fruit-bearing aspect in some many, many ways, all of a sudden we're right over 200 people. And I step back and go, what happened to these believers? What happened to these Christ followers? And as I prepared and as I've studied, I realize that there's a failure in spiritual formation in their lives. Do we have a responsibility? Yes, we do. Do you have a responsibility? Yes, you do. Do they have a responsibility? Yes, they do. It has to come back to going, am I going to be formed into Christ's image? Christ's image? All of us have to ask ourselves this question. Today, I believe wholeheartedly in what I'm going to preach. But let me give you a one-off in the sense. I believe in the truth. How many believe in the truth? How many have ever been confronted with the truth of the gospel but have struggled to live it? The reality of God in, in, in form in our lives, it steps in and, and you struggle with it. You can accept it. You understand it. You grasp it. But it's living it out day by day, moment by moment. Do you ever struggle with loving your spouse who years ago you stood, on the, stood at the altar and said, I, I love you with all my life? Do you ever struggle? Do you struggle loving people? Anybody ever struggle loving people? Do you ever struggle submitting to government issues when Scripture is very, very strategically and specifically says that we are to pray for our leaders, we are to submit to our leaders? So today I come and I tell you that I struggle with living out this truth. I struggle because I'm so easily deceived. And I would say I think you struggle because you're so easily deceived. Do you think you're doing it right? And really it has to come back to where we're walking in the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we're allowing him to speak to us. My concern in preaching this series is that we as humanity can get absorbed with the context of it and go, okay, I've got to be in rhythm so I'm going to step out of rhythm in every other, of my life, every other area of my life so I can be in rhythm with Jesus. Isn't that kind of what happens? Can I tell you today that God is not a God of extremes? He's not an all in. He's not an all out. He's going, how do you live your life in rhythm? How do you live your life day by day by day? Never once did he tell his disciples to leave the world. He says, you're going to live amongst the world. God set a rhythm within creation. Genesis 1 and 2, we see in the very first verse, it says, the spirit of God hovered over the darkness, over the void, over the catastrophe of nothingness. When you think about that idea of chaos, there was no order in this darkness. And then we see this 
rhythmic God who steps in and says, day one, let there be light. And God created day and night. Day two, he called forth the sky. Day three, he called forth dry land and the seas and the plants. Day four, he called forth the sun, the moon, and the stars. Day five, he called forth the creatures that live in the sea and fly. And day six, he created the animals. And then most of all, most importantly, the image that he most gloried in was the image of man. So we can just step back to the very beginning of all creation, the very beginning of how it all planned out and how God originated. And there was a rhythm, there was a purposefulness that in the midst of void, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of chaos, God comes and says, let me bring chaos. Let me bring a rhythm of life. Let me ask you today, who is the one that sends the worth, the, the, our world into orbit and it does its 24-hour Rotation, is that not God himself? When we think about all the planets and how they function, is it not God who set the rhythm of all creation? God set this order, he has set the rhythm. The skies, the moon, the sun that govern the tides of the ocean, they beat in rhythm. The plants and the trees produce in a rhythmic pattern. There are the seasons that shift and flow, replenishing themselves from the purposeful plan of God's creation. All of, create, all of the creatures were designed in rhythm and are governed by a circle of life. And at this moment, the cue goes on and Elton Johns begins to sing. And we got to have a Swahili mumble jumble in the background. Right? Think about it. Here's God is going, let it happen. And all of a sudden, this glorious sound just begins to rise. God says, the greatest creation was mankind. Can I tell you today that they were fashioned in his perfect likeness? When you think about a perfect likeness, you, they are fashioned in stable stability. They are fashioned ordered. They are fashioned healthy. They are fashioned with no stress or no anxiety. They are fashioned with no insecurities. They were not, they are fashioned with no performance issues, no need for people's approval. There was no COVID. There was no life out of control. He designed us in order and in rhythm. Can I tell you God's plan for our lives, God's plan for our culture, God's plan for our climate is this, is a surrendering to the rhythm of God and allowing him to order our lives. Adam and Eve were in perfect rhythm with their creator. They were in perfect rhythm with each other, with all of creation. They were making this perfect harmony as they dwelt together. They were being governed by the rhythms and the patterns that God had laid out and designed but, dun, dun, dun. Right? Can you hear the music begin to rise? We see how everything is there and everything is smooth and we see God's order and we see his creation. If you read Genesis 1 and 2, you see this process. You get caught up in the creation. You get caught up in God's ingenuity and his creativeness. And then all of a sudden, the climax changes. The tension begins to rise, and a snake slithers into the garden. A snake, an item of God's creation that could come in and look like God, that could come in and go, no, this is what God created. God designed a snake. I don't know why, but he did. To me today, I think snakes are still from hell, not heaven. And when I get to heaven, there's not going to be snakes there. Right, God? 
But he comes in. An idea of creation. And he begins to have this conversation with Eve. I want you to understand, the enemy took something that was God's created thing and he used it for deception. The enemy begins to speak to Eve and we know the story that she succumbs to this temptation. She believes his deceit and Adam and Eve, they fall. And the Bible says that mankind began to strive on their own. Can I tell you today, the problem with my life, the problem with your life, the problem with our culture is that mankind is no longer allowing Christ to dictate. They're striving on their own. They're doing their own thing. We're consumed with our own lives and our own culture. From this point on, the rhythm that God had created has been broken, misguided. Relationships were broken and misguided. Brother killed brother relationships warring against one another and we see the corruption as you walk through the book of Genesis you see this calamity out of rhythm out of control how many have ever read read the book of Genesis and your heart was broken for what God created but yet you see what happened does it cause alarm in you Can I tell you, let's fast forward thousands of years to 2019 2020 2021 Can I tell you, God designed us. It should bring heartbreaking to us to see how we, God's creation, God's followers, God's the the ones that he has saved and reconciled and redeemed and wants to restore have succumbed once again to a rhythm that's out of pace. And then we see this amazing thing that Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus comes on the scene setting a a brand new rhythm. He comes on the scene going, I'm coming to not do my will. I'm coming to do the Father's will. I'm not going to take a step unless God tells me to take a step. He's going to direct me to do what I need to do. Can I tell you that we as believers, we can all applaud that? We can all go, yes, that's me. And I want to ask you a question for you to step back and for you to evaluate. Every step you take, every breath you make, that sounds a little bit like a song, does it not? Is it really guided and directed by Jesus? Are you allowing him to form you in your practices and in your process? Or have we become so independent that we're marching to the beat of a drum that is not the drum of Jesus? Jesus' ministry began, think about it, with a 40-day separation, a detox from the world. He went into a desert for 40 days to close out the culture's voice and to open his ears to the voice of the Father. At the conclusion of that temptation, or at the conclusion of that, that, that separation, we hear this, see this temptation of where Satan tries to come in and to deceive him, to get him back on the rhythm of culture, of what the world would say. And Jesus comes back with the counter to stay true to his mission. Pastor Trenton preached a sermon on I am the way, the truth, and the life. I think it was his final message. And how many believe that statement is true? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. And we can, we can look at all that scripture and we can go, yes, he is. And we can overemphasize the truth and he is the truth and we, he is the life. And we go, yes, eternal life. But can I tell you this idea of the way is so important to the passage of Scripture that I'm going to read today and as well as so important to the remainder of this, of this, this series. 
Because not only is Jesus saying, I am the way, that I'm the ticket, that I'm how you get there. Not only is Jesus saying, I am the path that you take. Jesus is also saying, I am revealing to you the way to walk through life. Every area of Jesus' life, every area of his ministry while he walked on this planet from 30 to 33, from his beginning of ministry to his death on the cross, was a pattern, was an example of how to walk out life. And today, we have allowed the voice of the enemy to come in and deceive us. The father of lies. Can I tell you today that the enemy has no power over you? Do you realize that today in spiritual formation, the enemy, Satan, has no power over you, a believer in Jesus Christ? Scripturally, he has no power over you. Why? Because Jesus died and he went down to hell and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave and he put his foot on Satan's neck and said, you have no power over creation. And when we're in Christ Jesus, do you realize that you and I have the same power to step on his neck? The only power that Satan has over us is the power of deception. The Bible says that Satan is a liar. He is the father of lies. He is a pro at lying. He is a pro at deception. So when we step back and we look at our culture today, when we look at our own lives today, when we are walking in deception, when we're deceiving Who's directing our deception? Satan is. Oftentimes we come back and go, well, no, no, you're being a tool of Satan. If you're producing and spreading deceit, you're being a tool of Satan. If you're being manipulated by the process of deceit, you're being a victim of what Satan wants to do in your life. And I would say this today. If I was a demon from hell and I was wanting to deceive God's people, I would come and, I would, and get them out of rhythm. I would, I, would, I would give them a desire to make more money, to work harder, to have more toys. If I were a demon, I would deceive people with insecurities so that they feel like they have, have to compete and to compare to try to keep up with someone else. If I were a demon, I would make people so filled with hurry, just trying to keep up with all the cares of life. If I were a demon, I would convince people that their identity is in their striving and in their accomplishments. If I were a demon, I would confuse their priorities, priorities for their families, academic or extracurricular activities over church and youth group. If I were a demon, I would cause fear of gathering in church on a Sunday because of caution but breed comfort to live normal and gall- gallivant all over throughout the week. If I were a demon, I would deceive people by making them self-absorbed, consumed with their own lives. If I were a demon, I would convince them that they don't have to honor God with their time, their talent, and their treasure. Can I tell you, I can go on and on and on and on. I want to ask you, have anyone been a victim of a demon in your life? Where we have subscribed and subscribed to the rhythm of culture where satanic deceit has come in and we have listened and we have believed rather than stepping back and realigning our lives with the rhythm of Jesus. When we allow the deceiver of our soul and flesh to dictate the rhythms of our lives, we're allowing him to set the rhythm. And needless to say, our lives are out of rhythm. I read one old desert father and he says this. He says, I... 
that I would hold my, that I would put a prayer that he prayed, that I would put my heart up against God's heart and feel its beat that I might catch its rhythm. I want you to think about that. God's heart is beating. And oftentimes our heart is doing this. And he says, would you just touch God's heart so that you can be in rhythm? Can I tell you that that's what oftentimes happens in our lives today in our culture? This is the pace of Jesus. This is the pace of the world. Can I tell you today that God wants you to slow down? That God wants you to come to a place of recognizing who he is and what he can do in our lives. Let me ask you this question. If you could plot the trajectory of the rhythm of your life and your soul, where would you end up? When you look at your life right now on the pace that you're going and, and the trajectory of your life with Christ and how you're walking with him in rhythm or out of sync, where are you going to end up? This trajectory, can you map it? Can you look at it and go, no, Jesus is there and obviously my pace is going to take me this direction. Today, that's the question that I want to ask you. That's the question of all of these series, the rest of this series as we step into it. Jeremiah, the Old Testament says this in Jeremiah 6. He says, this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look. For ask for the Lord, uh, ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it. And you will find rest for your souls. Can I tell you today, Old Testament, without Jesus in our lives, there was an assessment that we had to step back and go, okay, which way is it? What was the old way? Jesus comes in the New Testament and he gives us the answer in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Can I tell you what his direction is? He so says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of the rest will come into place. Get your rhythm ordered with Christ Jesus first and everything else will come into rhythm. Because your inner being, why, why is rhythm so important? Because your inner being is the culture that you live all of life out of. You're going to hear this phrase over and over and over again. Why are rhythms so important? Because your inner being, your inner self, is what you live everything out of. What's in the heart comes out of the mouth. What's in the heart comes out in an action. Everything you do has energy that either goes out or energy that comes in. Now, I'm not saying let's be conservative and let's conserve our energy I want to tell you that Jesus walked this planet and he had a rhythm of life and he came upon people with compassion and out of him flowed this thing called virtue. But fortunately, because that virtue flowed out of him, earlier in the morning he had already taken in virtue. Can I tell you the rhythm that was set in his life was a rhythm that God ordained that he breathed in life and Jesus went out and gave out life. I would say this, the reason that many are burned out and stressed and anxious, Kevin included, is because I get at the pace of life and I try to give out of something that I have nothing to give out of. I have this empty barrel and God goes, your heart is right, your compassion is right, but you have nothing to give. How many know that when you give what God gives you, it's going to produce a lot more than what you try to give yourself? Matthew chapter 11. Jesus says, come to me, all of you who are weary and burned out, 
and burdened, and I will give the rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and I'm humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Can I tell you that there are a lot of people on this planet right now that are making this elusive search for rest? They call it the great resignation. I don't know if you've heard about it. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's happening not just in the church. It's happening across the world in jobs. People are going, I can't find rest in my job, so I'm going to step out and I'm going to find a new job. How many realize their rational thinking, the deceit of what they're thinking, it's not going to solve their problem? How many, do you recognize that? Can I tell you, I hear a lot of people going, well, I'm just going to move from Oregon. I'm going to move to, regardless of where you move to, the pandemic is still present. Regardless of where you were moved to, there's still going to be things that are going to crimp your American rights. But let me remind you today, as a follower of Christ, as one who loves him and one who has surrendered to him, that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, nowhere in the contract was American rights. Nowhere in the contract. Everywhere in the contract was that you would die to yourself and come alive to him. Can I tell you today, that's still the clarion call of Jesus Christ. That's the rhythm that he's talking about, that you would deny yourself and you would follow him. The message says this, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Repeat that with me. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. The title of my message today Unforced rhythms of grace. You say, Pastor Kevin, you're out of time. Not quite. I'm going to give you real quickly three points that I could go on and on and on. It's difficult to set a platform for a series and to bring the truth of Scripture at the same time. And so I want you to hear this today. Based off of this passage of Scripture, Jesus prescribes a process to restore your rhythms. It's a platform for everything that we're going to do in the next seven weeks. Number one, In this passage of scripture in Matthew chapter 11, he says, you need to assess and to admit. You need to assess and you need to admit. You need to personally and honestly evaluate your own life and admit where you're out of rhythm. So as you take notes, as you watch this, you need to step back and go, where am I out of rhythm? Are my relationships at home staccato? Is there an area in my life that is not at peace? Is there angst in my life as I go to work? Wherever there is not a, play, a sense of rest and peace, you need to step back and go, I need to assess this. I need to admit this in my life. I need to admit it, maybe confession one to another, but confession to Christ. Jesus gives two evidences, and he gives them very clear. Number one is weariness. Number two is burdened. Can I tell you that I have heard over and over and over and said it over and over myself, I just feel so weary. I feel exhausted. Anybody use the word exhausted in the last 19 months? I think of an old term that my grandma would come in from work or my grandpa would come in from work and she goes, I'm just bone weary. Anybody ever heard that phrase before? Bone weary. And I'm like going, what is bone weary? It actually means utter exhaustion. You just can't do anymore. Can I hear, I can tell you that that's just this feeling and sense that's across our culture today, this utter exhaustion, weariness to be tired, to be troubled as a result of difficult endeavor or toil. Toiling. Can I tell you what's happening? You may not be physically toiling, but you're mentally toiling. 
It's impacted you spiritually. It's impacted you practically. And there's this toil that you're walking through, a laboring. The other rhythm, the other evidence is burdened. It says, I, have, you ever felt, I, have you ever said the phrase, I just feel heavy? I can't carry this load of life. I feel like I'm being crushed. The word burdens definition is to carry a, and bear a heavy load as if you are being crushed by it. I want to tell you today that what we are experiencing as a culture, what we've experienced over the last 20 years as a culture, has never been intended for a human person to endure and to, to lift. As culture continues to move, continues to speed up, can I tell you, humanity cannot sustain it. That's why we have to come back and go, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm going to live by your rhythm, not by the rhythm of the world. You can't keep up. Context of this message, or context of this passage of Scripture is Jesus is speaking to a crowd. He's, just prior to, he is making this judgment on these towns that did not believe him and did not receive him. I don't have time to go back with, but go back and look at Matthew chapter 11. And he's making these judgments going, cursed are you. And then he comes with his invitation at the very end. He says, come to me all who are weary and who are burdened. When Jesus is referring to this weariness, he's referring to the unreasonable expectations and commands of the law that the Pharisees had placed on them. I want to propose to you this morning that not only is that true, we can't get under the commands of the Old Testament, but can I tell you that we've almost made culture a religion and its dictates our gospel? We're allowing all of these things to come in and dictate our lives, and we're trying to live at a pace and live at a loyalty to a culture that really is not feeding us anything at all. It's unsustainable. So how do we test ourselves? We need to ask ourselves, are we anxious? Do we feel fear? Do we feel tension? Do we feel exhaustion? Are we feeling crushed? Are your relationships strained? Your spouse, your children, your friends, your church? Would you describe your life as one who is hurried and one who's filled with the cares of life trying to keep up? Do you feel the need to work harder in order to make everything work out? I don't know about you, but all of those symptoms have played out in my life over the last 18, 19 months. Going, I've got to, I've got to. I've got to work harder. These are evidences. Secondly, we see in this passage of Scripture that not only do we assess, but we need to adjust. We need to purposely step back as we've assessed and go, this is not the right path. What's the right path? Jesus gives us Three very specific things, action steps, day-to-day living. He says, come to me. Everyone say, come to me. Can I tell you today that Jesus has come after me many times? This is the only location in Scripture that Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. He doesn't say, follow me. He says, come to me. When I hear that idea of coming to me, it's approaching him, and it's standing face-to-face with him, and it's encountering his presence. It's not walking behind him as he walks ahead of me. It's going face-to-face relationships saying, Jesus, you know me, you see me. And he's saying, Kevin, you know me and you see me. And there's a recognition and there's a realization that has to take place in my heart to adjust. He goes on, he says, take my yoke 
upon you. Jesus is not talking about a literal yoke. He's talking about a line of, te- of teaching. This idea of yoke is a, uh, l- let me give you the definition before you put the picture up there, I guess. A yoke is a wooden beam normally used between a pair of oxen that they would pull together on a load when working in pairs. Everyone say pull together. So go ahead and show this picture up here. We see two oxen that are working together to accomplish something, and they're pulling together. They're pulling in unison. When Jesus is talking about this idea, he's not talking literally of a yoke. He's talking of, about a, a tr- line of teaching, a line of training, that a rabbi would come and he would say, here is my yoke. Let me give you my yoke, my line of teaching, that you would abide by these rules. And Jesus is coming and saying, my line of teaching is different than all the lines of the, the Pharisees. Of all these other rabbis, I'm different then. Why? He goes, because my yoke is not a yoke that you have to bear all the burden. I'm putting the yoke on, and I'm going to let you walk alongside me, and I'm going to carry the brunt of this. I'm going to pull the brunt of this. How many are thankful for the grace of Jesus Christ? And then he goes on, he says, learn of me. Learn of me. Spiritual formation, learn of me. When's the last time you just sat down and said, Jesus, teach me about you? When's the last time that you read scripture to learn of Jesus, not to learn a principle? When's the last time you looked at the gospels to go, how did Jesus behave? What were the fruits of his life? If we are created in the beginning of creation in the image of God, Jesus came to bring restoration to that image. Jesus came that we might walk and live like him. When we talk about learning of him, we need to be with Jesus. We need to become like Jesus. As we are being with Jesus, we, become, we begin to act like him, becoming like him. And therefore, we do what Jesus does. I would say this across our culture today. There's a lot of people that are touting Jesus. But how much are they doing Jesus? How much are they doing what Jesus is doing? The book, old book, In His Steps, WWJD. Can I now tell you that it needs to be resurrected in our lives? What would Jesus do? We're confronted with a circumstance. What would Jesus do? The government declares something and we go, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? I'm not going to get up here and be political and be controversial, but can I tell you today, Jesus never stood against the government as he walked the planet. He walked against the religious. He stood against sin. Lastly, after effect, Jesus produces this beautiful rest in our lives, this thing called unforced rhythms of grace. Unforced rhythms of grace, something that's not manipulated, something that's not stirred from within, something that's not just man-made effort. As you walk with Christ, how much of your walk is your man-made effort to just do and accomplish? Jesus describes this after effect that we would experience gentleness and humility. Can I tell you the opposite of gentleness and humility is harshness and pride? How many have ever encountered a harsh, proud person before? How many have ever been a harsh, proud person before? Can I tell you the difference? Jesus says, humble and gentle. Not harsh, repulsive, and prideful. 
Gentleness is this extension of God's grace. It's power. It's this thing of bearing up the weight for us as of sin upon our lives. This idea of, of, of gentleness is, is this thing where it's power under control that God comes and says, I'm here to carry this load for you. The next one is that you'll find rest, rest for your souls. I don't know about you. Anybody have a bed, your bed at home that you just love? You can't wait to lay down in your bed. You lay down in your bed and your body just kind of goes and it begins to form around you and you just go. Any, I'm talking about, I, just, I want my bed right now. I needed my bed for an illustration. What does it mean to operate in a place of rest? To operate in a place of rest means that you stop striving. That you start, stop living by the rules. That you have this relaxed trust. That you lower your control of life and circumstances. Going through counseling in my life, I've realized I don't want to control people, but I want to control circumstances. Anybody want to control circumstances? My strain in 19 months is I want to control the pandemic. Going, okay, this is time to stop now. I want to control what's happening. Can I tell you that rest is not striving. Rest is trusting. Rest is relying. Rest is relaxing in God, letting God dictate what takes place. You say, well, Pastor Kevin, how do we get there? We're going to hear more about it in weeks to come. Lastly, this morning, I'm going to close. You'll find the easy way. Everyone say the easy way. You're going to find the easy way. How many like easy? How many like easy? Come on, I like easy. I, I, I like good food that's easy. If you know good food that's low in fat, tell me what it is so they can just zap it in my mic. I like fast. I like easy. I like easy. But can I tell you today, we oftentimes confuse easy with effort. If it's easy, there's no effort. And I want to bring you back to the reality of this. Jesus is not saying there's no effort. Jesus is saying it's easy. When we think of life, would you help me out, Julie? We think of life this morning and all these facets of life. And I have family in my life and I have my job in my life. And I have my uh, relationships in my life. And I have a pandemic in my life. And I have all these things in my life that I'm trying to go, God, I just want it easy. I want the easy way. And we're trying to juggle them. And we don't know, uh, trying to grab onto them and keep them all in control. And what happens with our lives? We put so much effort in. But can I tell you today, when Jesus says that my way is easy, and my burden is light, it's much like this. All of the facets of life are there, and he's saying, will you surrender to me? If you surrender to me, if you will yoke up with me, I'm going to carry the brunt of all these things. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened. And I, Jesus, will give you rest, for I am, take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and I am humble and I will give you rest. Take my yoke. It is easy and my burden is light. Can I tell you today what God has called you and I to is a stewardship of all these things and letting him carry it. Walking in his obedience in his rhythm. Not our rhythm, not the rhythm of the culture, but St. Jesus, these are all things that you've given me. They're all things that I have to carry. They're all things that I have to work with in my life. But God, 
They're yours. They're yours. Pete Scazzaro, as I close, he says, I've discovered that living in sync with God's rhythm is much more energizing than following the frenzied staccato of man's rhythm. Now, I know this is true. I know these principles are right. I trust the process and the fact of spiritual formation. But Kevin, in my weakness, in my humanity, in my brokenness, man, I have to practice this all the time. Because I can find myself... Does anybody ever feel like that? Stepping back into this frenzied staccato of man's rhythm that is impossible to live into. Bow your heads this morning. God, today we come. We assess our lives. God, I sense that you've already brought conviction. You've already brought reality. And God, we assess. And God, we admit it today. Would you just confess those areas that are out of rhythm? And God, today, we commit to adjust our lives to the way of Jesus. Everyone say the way of Jesus. God, we realize that it's not a one-day adjustment. This is going to be a process, a life of adjustment, a life of spiritual formation. But God, we, just, we choose to come to a place of adjustment. God, today we come. God, help us to practice the easy way. Help us to practice your way, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, help us not to go by the rhythm and the beat of a culture that is so distorted. And God, today, I trust that everyone in this room, everyone under the sound of my voice is saying, God, I want to experience rest for my soul. Holy Spirit, would you just do a quick work? I would love to just stand in this moment. But God, I know that I've gone over time. So God, today, would you just breathe upon us? Would you blow, blow life into our lungs? Would you blow rest upon our lives? God, we thank you today. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your long suffering in the process of a long message this morning. Be present the next few weeks because we're going to hear this process of how we live out these rhythms, how we walk them out. Thank you for joining us today. See you next week. Remember, young adults, Wednesday night, trunk or treat is coming around, trunk or treat is coming right around the corner. Greet someone today, would you? God bless. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.